Thank you for tuning in to episode 16 of Adversity University, and welcome to class. Hey everybody, this is Sean. Today's guest was another exciting one for us because we really enjoy interviewing people that we've known for a while because we get to see all these different sides of them that we never knew existed. And once you do hear all these stories, you understand them more and you see why they do things they do. For CJ Yoder specifically, he's been a rink manager for a long time. He's had a lot of bosses that have imparted a lot of things on him. And even through his own personal relationships and honestly, some failures he had with them, he's really grown a lot. And I couldn't find a single person that has a bad thing to say about CJ Yoder. He's very genuine, really cares about everyone's well-being and not to mention a phenomenal hockey player. Uh, Garrett, what did you think about CJ? Yeah, well, first off, I really enjoy doing these interviews in person. I think you kind of get the connection a little bit better. It feels more real. Not that the conversation doesn't flow well over Zoom, but um, just being in person and seeing, you know, their hand movements and their facial expressions a little bit easier. And uh, so I've really enjoyed doing those. But CJ, I haven't known him as long as Sean has, but what an unbelievable guy. Uh, from the short time I've known him, he's been nothing but uh, great towards us. And you'll see in the episode, just a very humble and down to earth person that cares about developing the next generation of roller hockey players, ice hockey players, and not only that, but building people um, to be better and uh, nicer, kinder. Um, so I, I was really impressed with CJ uh, and I really enjoyed doing his interview, the Wayne Gretzky of roller hockey, pretty legit. So yeah, we got to see his plaque. He actually was just inducted into the 2020 Roller Sports Hall of Fame and written in the first sentence is referred to by many as the Wayne Gretzky of roller hockey. This guy's really underrated. Um, I know roller hockey doesn't have a lot of following and a lot of fans, but he's won 14 gold medals with Team USA in 19 years. So it's just really been a dynasty for him that he's been a centerpiece of. And he talks about having no ego and putting others first. A lot of really important keys that he really doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the walk. He lives that life that he talks about, and we can't thank him enough for coming on. We, we stayed another three hours after the interview was over just because he's such a great guy, and you just really want to be around him. He has a contagious, positive energy that you really like to enjoy. A legendary hockey family, too, in the, in the world of roller sports, so pretty cool to be a part of. Let's kick it on over to C.J. Yoder. For all you listeners out there that don't know where Garrett and I began our hockey journey, it was with the Colorado Rampage, where a list of other notable alumni also began their career as young student athletes. The Colorado Rampage AAA hockey program is currently accepting registrations for their tryouts and identification camps to find elite players and people looking to play AAA hockey and take their career to the next level. The Rampage play in the Tier 1 Elite League, which is one of the best AAA leagues in the country. This is where your players will get to showcase their skill in front of scouts for the best junior teams, colleges, and even professional teams in North America. We would encourage anyone between the ages of 12 and 18 who are looking for a place to develop and start their hockey career the same way we did to send an email to play AAA at coloradorampage.org to get more information. That's P-L-A-Y-A-A-A at C-O-R-A-M-P-A-G-E dot org. You can also visit their website at www.corampage.com. Be better today than you were yesterday and join the herd. Today's guest may not be known by some people, but in his niche of roller hockey, he is known by a few telling nicknames. Number nine, Captain America. 
and even sometimes the legend. He's been a member of Team USA Roller Hockey for 19 years, serving as captain for many of those, where he has won 14 gold medals, one World Games gold medal, and two Pan American Games gold medals. In 2002, he co-founded PIHA, one of the premier inline hockey leagues in the United States. He was named the 2004 Athlete of the Year by USA Roller Sports. Finally, he is one of four athletes inducted into the 2020 USA Roller Sports Hall of Fame. Welcome to Adversity University, the legend, CJ Yoder. Uh, only in my own mind, buddy, but I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> so uh, just hopping right into it, what was it yeah. like growing up in Hershey, PA, and how did you get started in hockey? Um, well, I started at a very young age. I actually have a picture of myself being able to roller skate um, before I could walk. So I was on roller skates at two years old. Uh, my family always owned a roller skating rink. Um, and we played hockey. Obviously, my father grew up playing hockey. He went to roller hockey nationals in 1975, the year I was born. Um, and so he's always done it. It's just something I picked up and, and loved. Uh, and obviously, Hershey, Pennsylvania's perfect spot to do that. Uh, great American Hockey League team, I'm sure everybody knows about. Um, so I was a junior bear growing up playing ice hockey. Um, and it was just, it was in our blood. It's everything I've always done. So it, it helped that the, uh, the atmosphere was there and, and to have a roller skating rink, uh, be able to jump out there whenever I wanted to, it you know, brings a lot to it. So, yeah, I did a little digging and I actually heard that you lived underneath the roller skating <laughs> rink. How'd you end up in that situation? Um, saved on rent. I, I spliced, <laughs> spliced the cable from the snack bar up in the roller skating rink, about 120 feet down to my, down to my basement there. And, um, yeah, we had a good time. It was a little after hours club for a little bit. And, um, and again, it gave me the opportunity to go up there at whatever time I got home or whatnot and go right onto the rink, walk up the steps and throw the skates on. I was, I was up there a lot. Yeah. Something you've done here that I've really enjoyed is, uh, it was either the Tuesday night or Thursday night skates. You yeah. just send out a big text, whoever showed up, make teams and just have fun through all nights of the hours. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's about, and we used to do that back there too. We would start playing, uh, we called it Saturday Night Thunder. So we'd play after public skating. Uh, it's done about 1030 and we'd go till the goalies quit. So sometimes we're there till 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, when the goalies quit, we're like, okay, guess, guess time to get out of there. So good thing I wasn't a goalie in that because I don't know how long I would have lasted. I remember uh, when I was younger, I used to be fat. Nick Halloran and Daniel Brickley, Nick had a, a pond hockey rink in his backyard. Yeah. And I was the only goalie. And they're like, Garrett, you're playing goalie. And I'm like, no, like we're not doing this. And they'd be out there for like five hours. Like, Garrett, you're fine. Like, keep going. I'm like, no, we're done. Like, this sucks. It's so hard. But no, that's awesome. Uh, but jumping into your professional career, mm -hmm. at 19 years old, you went to your first professional roller hockey training camp and had a bit of a setback. Why were you not selected and how did this motivate you later on? Yeah, 93 um, was with the Philadelphia Bulldogs, actually. Uh, and I got cut by Dave Schultz, which is kind of cool, but yeah. <laughs> uh, not being cut. But um, I was there at their training camp. I paid my money like everybody else did, got the jersey, you know, to the to the camp. And then they asked me to go to their training camp. And I was young. I was 19 and probably weighed a buck, buck 65 soaking wet, you know. Uh, but I could skate and grew up on them. So that was one thing I always had. But um, back then, it was a lot of minor league ice hockey players that, you know, that was their summer job. They went and their, if their coach went to coach the Bulldogs, then a lot of times they were offered those spots. Um, and I was just some kid coming in off the street. So, um so yeah, I got cut by by the Bulldogs by Dave Schultz that year, and then the next year also I went to New Jersey Rock and Rollers camp, and Manuel Rion was there. I don't know that name at all, but she was okay. She was at 
camp with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, yeah. Um, the goalie. And it, yes. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, and uh, so she was there, and they were a very good very good team, but I felt like I did all right at that camp. And after skating for 45 minutes, they decided to send me home also. Wow. That was, the last, that was the next year. So I drove four hours to North Jersey, and coach basically said, hey, put some more weight on. You know, you're a young kid. I kind of offered these guys, already told them they'd have spots and summer jobs. They all play ice hockey for me. Uh, all very good hockey players, obviously. But um, he's like, you did well, but we're going to send you home. So I cried for four hours on my way home because <laughs> it was a dream of mine, you know. Um, but a lot lesson learned, right? It's a lot life for lessons there for sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you battle through. Was there a reason that you kind of migrated toward roller hockey more than ice hockey? Um, well, I played juniors. I played juniors in the North American League when really back then the USHL and the North American were kind of the same. We played each other at nationals. Um, I went to nationals my first year there. Um, and then uh, I played a little bit of semi-pro right after that. Um, but I was on a 23-hour bus ride, I think, one time. And I think I was in the Sunshine League or something like that at that time. And I got a call from a good friend of mine in roller hockey. He's like, hey, do you want to go to, do you want to, go to Tokyo for eight days? And I just looked into it. I'm like, what am I doing on a 23-hour bus ride when roller hockey, I could be doing stuff like this. Um, so that's really that's really when I actually – I don't know if it was that year. It might have been – because I, I always get the itch. In September, October, my brother's going to play. And I'm like, maybe I can still play. I want to go play ice hockey. <laughs> you know. Um, and I was in Huntington, and I walked into Charlie Huddy was my coach. And he and I walked in to say, hey, coach, I'm, I'm heading home. And you know, I'm going to be doing some roller hockey stuff. So I think I would have never had the opportunities to play where I did. I mean, I played in beautiful facilities, you know, NHL spots for playing roller hockey and been all over the world um, with roller hockey. And I wouldn't have had those opportunities with ice hockey. So, um, and I, I didn't have the confidence I do in roller hockey either. So I don't know if I, <laughs> if I made it that far anyway. So is that Tokyo trip separate? I heard you went to China for a roller hockey clinic. Are those separate trips? Or did I get my facts wrong? Yeah, no, I, no. I think no. it was pretty sure it was Tokyo. Okay. <laughs> Koji is the guy that took me over there. Um, and I was young and and I I didn't um, I didn't I didn't eat well at that time. Anyway, I just remember if there wasn't a McDonald's up the street from the hotel, I probably would have never eat all eight days because <laughs> I wouldn't eat anything over there. Now now I'll get into a little bit of that, but uh, back then, yeah, no, I wouldn't. So the trip was phenomenal. Looking back now, I wish I'd have taken advantage of it even more. Um, but um, yeah, it was good. Again, it's just the opportunities that I've had. I think really why I kind of went towards roller hockey. Yeah, hindsight's always twenty twenty two. So for sure. So you mentioned it, but you played a little bit of professional ice hockey, um, and roller is very different from ice hockey. There's no open ice checking, offsides, or icing, to name a few things. Uh, you just briefly mentioned it, but can you tell us uh, a little bit more about where you played um, and how you made such a large transition at a professional level? Um, for ice and roller? Yeah. Um, yeah, basically. And again, I think I would just get the itch every every now and then. There's always big roller hockey tournaments that were started to be in the early 2000s, uh, winter nationals, we like to call them. So um, the, the year that I really played a little bit of semi-pro ice hockey stuff, uh, was in the West coast hockey league in Phoenix, okay. the Phoenix Mustangs. And actually uh, we were here, the gold Kings were here at one time and we had a couple games here. I remember in Colorado Springs, but, um, so I'd always get that itch and want to go back there, but it never happened until after I was playing those roller hockey tournaments. I'm like, I had to make these. And then if somebody wants to pick me up or whatever, I would. So, um, I jumped into a little bit of ice hockey. I played in Monroe a little bit, Louisiana in a Western professional hockey league. Um, again, early in the season, 
Um, but that was about it for the ice hockey side. Roller, I mean, 1995 was the first uh, world championships. It was held in Chicago, Illinois, and I and I made that team um, as 20 or 21 years old or something like that. And then after that, um, things just picked up in 94. I got cut in 94 from the Rock and Rollers. I'm pretty sure it was 94. And then halfway through that year, I was at a roller hockey tournament, and St. Louis, the Vipers, actually asked me to play in the RHI. And that was all, like I said, professional ice hockey players playing roller hockey, yeah. basically. Um, so I went to Philly. They're like, hey, meet us in Philly. This is a good story. Hey, meet us in Philadelphia. Uh, we play the Bulldogs um, on a Tuesday or whatever. I'm um, like, sure, I'd love to try and come and play and see. If, and afterwards, they're like, hey, we'd love to have you stick around for the rest of the year. We go home for a game against Minnesota, and then we come back to New Jersey. We'll just, when we come to New Jersey, we'll have, we'll pick you up then, and then you'll be with the team the rest of the year. I'm like, okay, I was just so excited and everything else and just proud to be able to have the opportunity to do it. Uh, but that game Thursday was on ESPN2 in St. Louis. Oh, wow. So I called Bernie Federko, was the owner uh, in St. Louis, and the coach was Perry Turnbull, both obviously played in the NHL for a long time. Uh, and I just called and said, hey, coach, if I fly my own way out, can I come play? Would you play me on Thursday? It's on ESPN, too. I want, I want to do it. Yeah. You know, um, so they're like, well, yeah, we want you to be a part of the team from now on. So and I think they not looking back, I'm sure they took care of the flight or whatever to get me out there. But I wasn't missing that game. You yeah. Know? yeah. So um, so best to me, that was the perfect spot for me. Best uh, location. Uh, I call St. Louis my second home. We used to go there all the time. Uh, big roller hockey hotbed, actually. A uh, big guy now, Pat Maroon, huge roller hockey guy. I've oh, known wow. him since he's been, you know, since he's been a little guy. Yeah. You know? So, um, but they, that's always been a big hotbed for roller hockey. So we were in St. Louis a lot. So that was a perfect spot for me to be. And then I uh, played there for three, four years and and then just take care of the, take the opportunities when they come, like the Pro Beach Hockey. I played for one year in 99 and uh, all the world championships and things like that. It's just the sport's been tremendous. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't realize how big roller hockey was until I met Sean. Mm -hmm. um, and we would go to the rink that you guys would play at. And I didn't realize, one, how good it was. And two, how big of a connection it was with professional ice hockey as well. And obviously, you mentioned a ton of big names that play roller hockey too. But I never made that connection coming from Utah. We don't really have roller hockey at all. Right. Ice hockey still kind of limited. It's grown a lot in the last you know, decade, but it's still not anything what it is in Colorado or Minnesota, any of these other bigger states. But it's cool to see the connection and see that, um, you know, roller hockey is, is big and is continuing to grow. Yeah, if it wouldn't be for me playing both, you know, if I didn't play ice hockey, obviously, I don't know if I'd have went where I did in roller hockey. And if I didn't play roller hockey, I would have never played semi-pro ice hockey. Yeah. So um, it's, it's hard when a coach is like, don't do that. You know, it's not good for your stride or whatever it may be. I just... Obviously, I'm a big believer in it because of what the sport's done for me. But, um, you know, the confidence that comes with it with a puck and and being able to see the floor. We only play four on four instead of five on five. So you have a little more time and space mm -hmm. um, to be able to build that confidence and the puck skills and things of that nature. Some of the things that guys that grow up playing roller hockey can do with a puck are just un unreal. And obviously, ice hockey guys too. But I think roller hockey has a lot to do with that. For sure. Yeah, playing both myself. I love the fact that I can transition some of those skills and just play a really offensive game. I almost compare roller hockey to lacrosse because ice hockey is a lot of turnovers, transitions, back and forth, whereas roller hockey is almost game possession, set it up. And even though you're not on a power play, you, you just maintain possession as long as you can so you get that good chance to the net. So it's a different way of looking at the same game. It's, it's still hockey. Agreed, 100%. And I mean, you watch 
obviously a lot more skilled, but you watch the NHL three on three. I mean, they'll go into the zone and they don't have a two on one or something. They'll turn back and they'll come back out of the zone where normally you wouldn't see that in an ice hockey game. Like, wait, we're going off sides here, you know, but they understand how big of, how big of an opportunity is when you have the puck, like you have to have possession of the puck. So in roller hockey is like that all the time. Yeah. I've never seen anybody dump and chase in a roller hockey uh, game. <laughs> if they do, they yell that by me. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go off on too big of a tangent here, but it's funny that you bring up uh, three on three overtime because mm-hmm. Sean and I's team went into overtime this year when we were playing at Robert Morris. And I remember our team maybe had one or two chances. And then Sean's team completely dominated the whole rest of the overtime period in the sense that they wouldn't give up possession of the puck. Mm-hmm. You know, if they didn't have an opportunity or couldn't create a line rush or whatever it was, they'd regroup back in their zone and then change and then they'd reattack again. Right. And it was so hard for us to get the puck back and they had it the whole entire time. They ended up winning in overtime with like three seconds left. And Not it was, a big deal. It was bullshit, <laughs> to be honest with you. But yeah, it's crazy and it's cool to see that. It's funny to see the, the correlation between roller hockey and ice hockey. Yeah, it's amazing watching that, how much roller hockey comes into that ice hockey game at three on three yeah. like line changes with the puck you know what i mean yeah keep possession of the puck yeah. stuff like that so you briefly mentioned it there but the pro beach hockey league yeah um, yeah it's a league that lasted from 1998 to 2000 and was literally played on a rink built on the beach on huntington beach with ramps going up behind the net and the ocean 20 yards away yeah what was this experience like uh one of the best experiences of my life for sure obviously <laughs> i was 22 years old or something like that and um, I only played the last year, uh, and we had a buddy that lived in San Diego. So they paid for your hotel on a Friday night and a Saturday night. You played two games Saturday, two games Sunday, and you made 50 bucks a game or something like that. That was it. Um, but then we would drive to San Diego and stay with my buddy in the studio, eight of us in this little studio for four weeks straight. And that's all we did drive back up to Huntington beach. And then we played in the weekend and had a good time all weekend long. And then we drove back down there. So, um, yeah, I mean, there was, heavy metal bands at halftime of the games right there with a, there's a stage right there that's on ESPN and the ramps. I try to stay away from as much as <laughs> yeah. I could. Could you uh, skate up those? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you get, yeah, you get wheeling a little bit and you want to go behind the net. You got to go up the ramp and back behind. Now the only thing good about that was nobody could hit you there. So yeah, right, sorry. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm by the ramp. Don't touch me. You know, <laughs> social distancing before, yeah. <laughs> before social distancing. But, um, yeah, it's probably the best, some of the best four weeks of my life for sure. And we ended up winning it. So, we made a couple thousand dollars for winning, so it really paid for the entire four weeks of us just having a good time. Having yeah. a good time. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. And now you can look back on that experience, not only playing roller hockey at the beach, but you said that, you know, you stayed in the studio apartment with eight of your buddies. And at the time it probably sucked a little bit. But in hindsight, like those are probably some of the best days of your life that you have mentioned. That's so right. that's cool for sure that you gain that experience. That's kind of how I feel about the dorms in college. Everyone's like, oh, I hate the dorms. I want to get out. I want to have my own place. But looking back on it, the dorms are the most fun. Yeah. All your buddies are right there. You're just always getting into something. For sure. Absolutely. And we used to do, we used to make trips like that too. We'd put eight of us in a minivan and drive to St. Louis, Missouri for a tournament, play three days and drive back. And on the way back, you're like, oh, this is brutal. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then you get home and three days later, you're like, remember this happened at the truck stop or whatever, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, you're right. You're looking back, like take advantage of it when you can, you know, and yeah. live it up. So I know we did. Well, you talked about Chelios's brother too. Mm-hmm. Well, what would he do between games? Yeah. 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 So we basically got our, our locker rooms were just two big tents right there on the beach. Um, and you'd skate out onto the rink or you walked out of the tent and you were on the beach heading towards 
the water. So he'd take five, seven steps out. He'd already have it set up and he'd be playing horseshoes with his straw hat on. He played for salsa. So he'd have his straw hat on with shorts on and that's it. And then he'd walk right back, probably have a beer or two. Yeah. Yeah. Walk right back into the tent, put his stuff back on and right back out on the rink for game two on a Saturday or whatever. But um, yeah, some great, I mean, I met Cuba Gooding Jr. That, at, on that trip. He coached heavy metal for a little bit. He had good friends, that, a good friend on that team. So um, yeah, it was just, it was unreal. It was unreal. Yeah. So kind of changing moods a little bit. Um, we don't want to get too deep into your personal life, see. However, I think this is important because we want to show people listening to this podcast that life's about perspective. There's always going to be ups and downs, and you can look at it as the glass half full or half empty and use the hard times to drive you and even appreciate the good times a little more. Um, 100%. You had a difficult and sudden ending to a relationship. Could you very briefly touch on this and how it changed your mindset? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, it was an it was an, uh, an ex relationship there, and um, I was committed to my craft and 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 I loved what I did. Uh, and at that point, I was coaching a little bit of running a rank uh, here in Colorado Springs, actually, and playing. But that's what I focused on, and I didn't focus on home and and personal life. Um, and I came home from a hockey tournament, and everything was gone in a three-story house, you know, two-bedroom suits, uh, my dog, um, and I'm not trying to get sappy here at all, but basically I walked into nothing, you know, a couch and a TV that had a broken volume button or something like that that was on it, um, and yeah, heart, talk about hurt and slap in the face for sure, um, but then you sit down and you look at yourself, you know, and I've learned that the last couple of years, like you look at yourself first, uh, and you know, a week goes by, two weeks go by, and, and you're like, okay, well, you've got to be better because it wasn't just the other side. Um, so um, I became a better man for sure going through that. And with my wife and my family now, I feel like I'm a better husband um, now. So, yeah, you learn from you learn from things like that. And it, it took me that kind of slap in the face, you know, where you're like, hey, this isn't good and you're not good and you need to be better. Um, so – I appreciate what she did. Um, and, and like I said, I grew from it and, and not easy, but life's not easy. Uh, and I'm a pretty positive guy. Uh, but that was a, yeah, that was a difficult one. And like I said, you persevere through it. I felt like I become a better coach with the kids, um, getting to know them better, getting to know families better. Um, so I learned, I learned a ton from that, from that situation for sure. Yeah. That's cool that you learn a lot about yourself too. I think that it's unfortunate, but sometimes we have to go through certain hardships in our life, obviously some way worse than others, in order to learn valuable lessons. And it's good to see that, you know, you've taken it for what it is and you didn't not necessarily, you know, not look at it in a good way or learn from it. But it's good that, like you said, and I think it's important for viewers to listen to is you looked in the mirror first, because really at the end of the day, that's the only person that you should be looking at. And, you know, we talk about this all the time, but uh, on a different note, me and Sean always talk about not comparing ourselves to others. Right. Um, and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with being realistic with yourself and who you are. Um, and you realize the things that you need to change on. And clearly you've obviously devoted um, a lot more of your time to changing that too. So that's something you should be proud of for sure. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, that's a huge, huge lesson to learn. Like, and I say it all the time. Well, I look at myself first, you know, and then you move on from there. Yeah. Um, and that was a big one. Was yeah. a big one. Well, we can't control how other people are going to act and respond or anything. So all we can control is how we treat others and how we approach our own lives. That's right. It's yeah. a really good lesson to learn.
you're in the process now of opening up a new roller hockey facility in Colorado Springs called Legends Family Sports. I wonder how that got made. Um, you hate it when people can call we, you the legend. How did this come up quick? today? Can I get in that real quick? Yeah, Please, absolutely. That's okay. You have to. Okay. Yes, this it's not about me, and I get that all the time, especially from buddies of mine. But um, my basically my great grandfather wasn't really blood, but he he raised my grandfather. He was world renowned. I think he roller skated from Paris, France to London. Um, owns all kinds of Guinness Book of World Records and things all on roller skates or whatnot. And then so he was a little bit of a big deal. Okay. And then my grandfather, same thing. He ran, he put 4,400 people in Hershey Park Arena um, to watch a roller hockey game, a uh, pro roller hockey game wow. back in, I don't even know what it was, but in the forties or something like that. Same same facility at Wilt Chamberlain had his 100-point game, Hershey Park Arena, in there. So he put 4,000 people in there and ran his own – had his own roller skating rinks, but did all kinds of stuff through roller skating. Um, New Miss America – you know, uh, a bunch of the Miss Americas did all kinds of different things. Um, so, again, he was well-known. Uh, my father has been to national championships, was a national speed skater. Uh, so it's not just coach Team USA for three years. Um, you know, my brother, same thing, played minor league ice hockey for – 17 years or something like that, um, runs a hockey rink now in, in Hawaii. This is about family. This is about us, you know. So, um, so yes, it is called Legends Family Sports, but it's not about me. Okay, Sean? Yeah. So, all right. More, more specifically, it's almost like the, the legacy of the Legends because you talked about your dad was really into it too, obviously your grandfather. So it's more like the legacy of the Legends, not just – you specifically being a legend? Exactly. 100%. Yeah. 100%. That's cool. I do have to jump in and tell a funny story to the <laughs> listeners. Uh, our producer, Sam, great guy, working at the roller hockey rink. Uh, CJ and I are in a tournament, and Sam's the guy on the microphone who announces who scores, who gets the assists to the whole arena. And uh, every time CJ would get a point, which is uh, pretty often, he'd be like, uh, with Fans. the goal, <laughs> number nine, the legend, C.J. Yoder. And C.J., obviously very humble guy. He goes, hey, Sam, cut it out, cut it out. Sam does it one or two more times. C.J. had to lean over and go, Sam, you do that again, you're fired. <laughs> so, Sam, uh, take the That's, warning, buddy. Yeah, right. Take he learned. You learned. Good kid. <laughs> Got to be careful how we advertise this one. C.J. might come for you. <laughs> That's fine. So how has the journey been becoming your own boss now? You own your own rink. You've worked at so many other rinks. Mm -hmm. um, have you taken and experiences from that to kind of learn how to manage your own place? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, I started working at my father's rink probably when I was 12, 13 years old, skate guarding, but probably running the place as a manager at 16, 17 years old, um, you know, and learning how to deal with people and, and treat people the right way. Um, and then also kids, too. My family, we were foster, we were foster family, so we had 39 kids come through our, our house uh, wow. through foster care. Um, so that helped me deal with different aspects of dealing with kids and whatnot, treating them the right way and talking to them the right way. So all of that is added to it. And then obviously, yeah, the, uh, the running a rink in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and then York, Pennsylvania, and then Philadelphia, and then moving out here and being here for 13 years at, uh, tour arena. I still call it tour arena. It's now yeah. Xfinity arena, but, um, you know, taken from that and actually, uh, Jeff Ingram, the owner there, he's like, you know, you put two rules. You put other people first and no egos. And I, hopefully people don't think I have too much of an ego. That's a pet peeve of mine, but, and putting other people first, those are two huge things that I've taken from there. Um, and then, and then going and doing three years with the rampage and with the rampage and Andrew Sherman and Pat Bingham have both been phenomenal. And all those guys, Luke Fulgham there taught me so much about how to act professional, you know, um, treat people the right way. 
Um, and then obviously all, all the other aspects that go with running a rink and, and building programs and things of that nature. So you, you learn to take a little bit from everywhere you are and good or bad, you know, um, take a little bit from wherever you are and then, and you put it together. And luckily I have the opportunity to make it my own place with a few partners, obviously, but, and family, but, um, but I look forward to it. And, um, actually the, it's called the farm, the section that we're in, the place that we're in. And there are 10 other tenants there and I've been getting to know them a little bit. And it's, it's about community, which is awesome. It's about being part of a team, which you guys know a lot about, you know what I mean? And, and looking out for one another. Um, so we're just excited to get in and get things going and um, having some hockey players in there. And, and I'm excited about being back in the roller side, you know, full time. It's a lot easier to slide as you get up early in the morning and, and know that you're, you're working. And obviously I love the people that I worked for and they did good things for me. But when you know, it's your place, you get up a little bit quicker, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, okay, let's get stuff done here today. So, um, it's been last two months have been great, actually four or five months getting things going have been great. And, uh, and we look forward to the future. Yeah. We're excited to see it open and, uh, can't wait to go check it out. I briefly want to touch on what you said about you, you know, your pet peeve is people think you have an ego mm -hmm. and obviously Sean and you have a lot better relationship than you and I do. I haven't known you that long. We've met a few times. Um, but I can just tell by some of the words that you say, like you talk about how grateful you were for the opportunity and all that stuff. And I can just say that from knowing you in the little amount of time that, uh, we have known each other, that you don't come off as a person that has a big ego at all. You seem like you're a very humble guy and is committed to, um, helping the, the future and younger generations of roller hockey and ice hockey. And, uh, not only the aspect of hockey, but life in general too, which obviously you've had a, a lot of life experiences. So it's cool to see you giving back to the younger, younger generations for sure. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And yeah, that has always been a big deal to me. And, and like you said, yeah, it's about, it's about giving back, you know, with all the opportunities that people have given me, I'm sure a lot of people say, it, but I have the opportunity to do it, you know, so I'm excited to work with the kids and build the sport at all levels, um, you know, and build a community over there at the farm. So we're pretty, we're pretty pumped. I just need to jump back in on that because obviously I've known you a long time. I think since I started playing roller hockey at six years old, you were one of the guys out there helping. So mm -hmm. it's been 18 years now and you treat everybody absolutely the same way with respect and you're so accountable. It's insane. We'll be playing hockey and, you know, someone will make a terrible play, but you're still the guy. Hey, guys, that's on me. That's on me. You know, <laughs> you're just always there making sure that everyone feels confident and comfortable with themselves. And uh, you've been a really big mentor, even though. You know, you may not know it, may not appreciate it. You talk about how all these people have had an impact on you. You've certainly had an impact on me. And you've just been very professional with everything you do. And you've been a phenomenal player, but an even better person. So I appreciate um, that. Thank it's you. It's been great to learn from you. Thank you. Switching notes a little bit uh, and going back to your playing days when you played for the Thunder in St. Louis, obviously, as me and Sean know, playing junior and college hockey, the guys like to have a little bit of fun on the road <laughs> and play some pranks. Was there a prank played on you when you played uh, for the Thunder in St. Louis? <laughs> Did you hear a story about this? I mean, what? we're just asking. Either we're 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 one of you were there. Yeah, we yeah. do a little bit of research before um, these interviews. I had a good buddy of mine played on Team USA with him for quite a few. I'm assuming this is the one you're talking about. Quite a few years, and uh, I guess we were roommates. But <laughs> he went one way, and I went another way. He was, I don't know. We ended up not together, but he beat me back to the hotel, and I uh, had a couple buddies also in the room with him, and they moved. Every piece of furniture that you could move in that room was moved. And I, let's just say I had a few adult beverages, okay, when I got home. And I don't get upset. You know me. I'm a pretty laid back guy. I was so mad. I don't know if I just wanted to pass out or what, but I couldn't even do that because the beds were like all over. So I'm just throwing stuff around, trying to put it back in place. But it's just me. 
And eventually I try to pull this, pull out bed or couch or whatever. And I jammed my toe on this, <laughs> on this so bad that it was, had to be broken like 15 different places. I don't know if I dropped it on my foot or what, I don't remember, but I just left everything right where it was at. I think I passed out on, on the floor <laughs> oh, and the next day we had a 12 hour drive home and I could not put a shoe. I couldn't put a sock on. I couldn't oh. put nothing on my foot. And they love that story because of some of the younger kids yeah. that were helping see how um, somebody must have gave you an in. But um, did you say any words on that 12 hour? I don't think I did. Okay. Actually, <laughs> I sat up front. Nobody talked to me. They knew they were. It's not like shotgun. No, just get it back. Don't even think about That's it. That's so funny. And my foot hung out the door for about 12 hours and I could not put a foot on or a shoe on. Yeah, that was a yeah, I was at the finals, one of our pie finals out there. Wow. Yeah. Good trip. Good, yeah. good stories. So how did you get involved with Team USA? Um, 1995 was the very first one. So we went to, it was called USAC back in the day. U.S. Amateur, I forget how, US, I forget what it stands for, but it's basically a national governing body. And they had a national tournament every year. That's what my father went in 1975, went to USAC Nationals. Um, and we were in Chicago and they asked 24 guys, I think, or something like that to stick around. And then the world championships were that next next week. Um, so we skated for about two, three days. They selected the team. I, You take 12 skaters and two goalies. I'm going to say I was 11 or 12. I think really what happened was a guy by the name of Paul Chapey was from Southern California. And a guy by the name of Todd Melton, who is not with us anymore, taught me a ton. Again, a mentor of mine was from the East Coast. And I played for Todd a little bit. And at the end... They picked their 10 and then said, Paul, you take who you want. He took a kid from Southern California. Uh, actually, he might have taken Peter Dale. I forget. But anyway, and Peter's from Wisconsin. But anyway, and then Todd Melton took me uh, as the last guy. Um, so I was third liner, um, but didn't do bad. I felt like I was okay and, and could be there. Uh, and then after that, I obviously, I had the opportunity to play every year after that. And um, I always said, you know, it's till I got older and at the end you weren't sure if, if I was going to make it or not. But um, when you know you were established and it's probably like going and skating at college there and going into training camp, whatever, I guess college is a little different, but um, that was the best skate of the year. You'd bring in the 24 best people from all over the country. And for those middle years, I was a captain. I kind of knew I was going to be on a team, but it was so much fun to be out there with just the best players. And it was a lot more fun for me because the stress wasn't there probably. I knew that I was going to be on. Um, but yeah, from so from 95 on, um, you know, you go to tryouts and early there was a little bit more money there in roller hockey. So they would fly us to San Diego three times and we'd have we'd stay at the Olympic Training Center out there uh, and we'd skate for those three days and then go home and uh, and then go to the world championships. Nowadays, you might come together for a day or two. Um, and then they go right to Germany or wherever the Columbia or wherever they're going. Um, so I, I was lucky to be in at the very beginning there. Also, there was a little bit more money, a little bit more support there. Um, but, um, yeah, I played ever after that 95 on till I don't know, four years ago or something like that. Did you get the chance to meet some pretty outstanding athletes at the training center or what was that like? Um, well, they, there's obviously no rink at the Olympic training center. So a lot of times we were on the road. There were even times that we'd pack lunches and have to drive to a place called the Bladium up in Denver. Um, and we'd be up there all day long. I, you know, 
So no, I know uh, in Santo Domingo at the Pan American Games, and I couldn't tell you names at this point, yeah. but um, we stayed in dorms with the volleyball with the volleyball girls, and obviously not, but in the same area uh, with them, and got to meet just phenomenal. It, and it's amazing, and you two are perfect examples of it. But uh, and a lot of kids that come back to the Rampage and work out over the summer, but they're just great people. Also, like you guys are great kids, and all of the all of the upper echelon athletes that I've met. Um, have been just good people, good, humble people, you know, and I'm sure there's some out there that their talent just, and you probably played with them, but their talent just takes them, you know, to the highest level. Um, but people don't like them, bad locker room guys or whatever it may be, who knows. Um, but I've been very lucky because everybody, the athletes that I have met have just been, it's just amazing. They're just, they're just good people. They are. Um, so I, I brought up Patty, Pat Maroon and I played on a line together in Sweden and Team USA you know, before he actually played in Anaheim, um, I remember being in the, I don't want to call him out here, but be after a game, hanging out or in the shower or whatever, I'm like, Patty, your phone's, your phone's ringing. He's like, yeah, that's my agent. I'm not supposed to be here. He said, <laughs> that. So I'm like, no problem. I've never had that issue. You know, I have yeah. an agent calling me, you know, yeah. um, but just a good, humble dude, you know. Um, I mean, he's crying on the NHL network when his, when his son gets to see him score a goal in St. Louis. You know, like he's just that type of guy. Um, Chris Terry played in, you know, for Carolina for a little bit. Same thing. You know, he stayed in a, a – played with the Mudcats, our, our hockey team, our roller hockey team for a tournament. And we're in a house, you know, and there's, you know, there's 11 places to sleep. We got 12 of us and he's playing in the NHL the next year. But just – he just loved roller hockey and and we were a good bunch of guys. So, he, you know, he played with us that summer. Um Again, just just a good guy. Bobby Ryan, same thing. Known him for ever. You know, when he was young. So, just good people. Um, um, and I just take note to that for sure. Yeah, I think that's important. Uh, an important topic to touch on. And I was very fortunate. My dad ref professional hockey for twenty six years. He was kind of around the game and knew it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he's always told me that too. Like, you know, not only being a good hockey player, being the best hockey player you can, but just being a good person and being a good teammate. And Coach Sherman at the Rampage really instilled that in me too. The, our last year when we played U18 AAA, I think I played maybe 10 games. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I realized I probably wasn't going to play a lot, my ultimate goal was to be the hardest worker and be the best teammate on the team. Mm-hmm. And I wish that, uh, you know, younger kids, and again, it goes back to your experience of losing a relationship. Sometimes you have to learn that experience the hard way. But I wish we could just tell the kids like, we don't just say that you have to be a good person because it's just a good attribute to have. It could ultimately, you know, make you successful or deplete you completely. And I wish that they would take that to heart and really understand and not have to go through the tough scenario of getting cut from a team or not being liked by teammates because you're not a good person. Right. A hundred percent. I agree. And and there's those that, you know, you know, those stories where, I mean, I just had a, a friend of mine that he just came up to me and he burnt bridges with a bunch of different roller hockey manufacturers and teams, you know, and at the end, he's like, I don't have anybody to play. For. I'm playing for these guys because they're the only ones that will take me because yeah. he's like, I realize bad teammate, you know, and I'm selfish and, you know, and now look at me now. I'm probably could have been a staple on one of these major teams and and I ran through them and my talent didn't keep me there because because well, I was on, on the bench and in, in the locker room so I'm um, just the type of person I am so at least he has seen that you know and admitted it um, but so you see those two but it's just I've been blessed with the people that I've had the opportunity to play with for sure I think it's another thing like if you're a good person people want to help you out so our, our training group is a ton of great guys. I think every single guy there is a great guy. Yeah. And I want to see everyone succeed. Right. If I see something that they're doing wrong, I'm going to go help them because yeah. I love them. I care about them. And it just goes with everything. Like if you don't really 
like someone if they're kind of a jerk and they're doing something wrong it's like okay whatever like right see you later right that's right you need people to help you and those relationships are what make the game worth it like obviously you have a lot of great memories winning so many championships but like you talked about it's the people that make it worthwhile it's the it's the relationships that's absolutely correct life is about relationships and if Mm -hmm. you're not a good person you're not gonna have a lot of them you know and if they are they're not great relationships so um yeah i mean all the opportunity to go into tokyo pro beach hockey playing in the RHI, the, the Roller Hockey International, um, playing on Team USA. You know, I can name certain people that because they felt like he's a good kid, let's give him an opportunity. I mean, me being a – I'm still a tour a tour guy, tours manufacturer of roller hockey stuff. And that was since I've been 19 years old that Walt Frazier grabbed me off. And it wasn't because we had just won a game or I was even playing on Team USA at that point or whatnot. I was an okay hockey player. I was young. But he, he knew I was a good kid, you know, and I acted correctly on and off the rink or – away from my you know away from my company right now or my rank or not you know wherever it may be in whatever aspect of life like you said it's it's big that's big yeah so this might be a little tough with how many championships you've won but um you've already touched on a couple do you have a favorite memory and what's the feeling like playing for your country well that's the best feeling in the world um putting on a team usa jersey is 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 the best thing in the world um so yeah, I mean, I still to this day, when I put the kids to bed, we sing the national anthem since cool. they've been. That's awesome. Yeah, forever. So they've known the national anthem since they've been two years old, two, three years old. Um, and we'll go with the Can- Canadian one a little bit, too, just with the <laughs> hockey aspect. And yeah. the young blood comes out in me a little bit. But um, um, but yeah, th- I mean, that is the best thing I've ever done. Besides my family, obviously, my wife and my kids. Right. You know, um, yeah, that's that's the best that there is. Um, and probably the best moments was obviously Team USA. I think we were in the Czech Republic and triple overtime, and I ended up scoring a goal, you know, in triple overtime. And it was a moment because my brother and I had the opportunity to play together for years, and he gave me the pass. So, um, so I put in a net. If you watch, I have a film in the game, and if you watch it, I was horrible the entire game, <laughs> you know, but, and he blocked 15 shots, you know, killed three penalties himself or whatever, but I get the game-winning goal, and all of a sudden, CJ's a big win, you know, but um, just with it being family and him, I'll never forget, you know, him, and it's triple overtime, you know, and everybody's gassed, and you're in the Czech Republic, and it was just a great, it was just a great experience, and I've had so many, I've been very lucky, but um, just with it being family and whatnot, that's one I'll always remember. So, um, another little story, a little research we did, um, right after the world championships in Canada, you were in Milwaukee and, uh, I think someone recognized you out of nowhere. Was that weird? What was that situation? That was, that actually just happened. Oh really? Who the heck told you that one? That actually, yeah, that actually just happened. The Um, internet's a wonderful place. You can get a lot of information (laughs) on the internet. Yeah. So basically, and, um, I was coaching rampage kids just, Two years ago, or last year, it was last year, I believe, and it was um, three of us. Jackie, who was our team manager, I think that trip, and uh, our assistant coach, maybe two assistant coaches, and myself. And we walk into this. It was just a bar. We we're just going to have a beer in this bar, and it was us four and the bartender. That's it. I think we're playing dice on the bar or whatever. Um, and kind of cool thing about the bar, it was in Milwaukee, and it was where Major League. That's way before your time, but if you ever seen Major League with Charlie Sheen or whatnot. Yeah. 
where it's the wild thing he comes into the bar that all the guys are going crazy. That's this was this bar where oh, that man. was filmed. Oh, so it was so cool. Send so pictures of all those guys. Really cool bar. Uh, I always for, I forget the name, but um, so anyway, it's just the four of us, and we're having a few. And then a couple comes walking in. It's got to be midnight, and it's just us. And they just come strolling in, have a beer. And the guy kept looking over at me, and eventually, <laughs> eventually. Some one of the guys, you know, Parker, Kevin, or somebody's like, CJ, that guy's like staring at you. Did you like, you know, his girlfriend or something? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, no, I promise, I have no idea, you know. And he's like, so one of the guys said, CJ, it's your turn or whatever. And the guy's like, CJ, CJ Yoder, right? And it's, there's like six of us in this bar in Milwaukee. <laughs> These guys are from Canada. We're from Colorado. Like how this happens? They were going to a Green Bay Packers Monday night game, okay. so it was like a Sunday or something. Like that. They were driving through. I watched you and. 2004 in London, Ontario, win a gold medal over my Canadians, he said, but it was such a great guy. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So, of course, these three are laughing at me the whole time, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, so he keeps coming close. Now he's sitting on this side of his girlfriend, and then he slides over, and now he's sitting right beside me, and his girlfriend's like, <laughs> right? And he's just talking to me the whole time. And he's a great guy. Great, you know, he's very nice and... Um, but then he gets a few in him, and obviously I probably had a couple in me, or I would have—I'd have just probably walked out. But he's like, "Here, I want you to sign my chest," and I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Oh so of course the bartender's all over. It's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." So I signed some guy's chest from Jeez. Ontario, Canada. <laughs> I have no idea, but just to know—you know—he knew me ten years ago, twelve years yeah. ago, whatever it was, and then we end up in a bar together. It's just—it was amazing. But well, hopefully he got a. Got a tattooed arm. Trace that autograph. He said, I'll never wash this side of my chest again. Uh, his girlfriend's like, oh, man. <laughs> but That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We always like to ask our guests uh, a question, of, you know, in this topic. But if you could go back and give your younger self or even the future generation of hockey players or uh, aspiring roller hockey players a piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I just, just love it. Love the game. Um, I, when I was in juniors, my second year at juniors, I knew I was I liked roller hockey a little bit more, and I was stuck in Buffalo, New York, not the most beautiful place to play. Um, and and I did I fell out of love with it a little bit, uh, and and which made me a little negative, made my roommate a little negative, and it, looking back, it was on me, you know. Um, so I shouldn't have been doing it at that point, um, but. You know, you, you love the game. If you love the game, you're going to get better, period. You're going to put the work in like you guys do. Or in my case, we didn't do really back in the day what you guys do now, you know, with what Coach John does for you guys and whatnot. But um, but I loved it. So I was on the roller skating rink every day, every night, stick handling through the disco ball dots that are on the floor. You know what I mean? Trying to make myself better. And at that point, I didn't know it. Um, I just loved it. I loved it. So, um you know, you respect the game, you respect your opponents, you respect your teammates, um, and you love it, and you love it. And if you love it, you'll enjoy it, and then you're gonna you're gonna achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah. So that creativity is really important too. That's really like that's a really cool way to train. You know, sticking through the disco ball lights. It was Ray Lewis made up that deck of cards workout. So you have like you know a certain rotation of workouts, and then whatever card you flip over, like that's how many you have to do. Those uh, little yeah. those little creative things like. 
they may seem just fun and silly, but like you said, if you love the game, you're going to get better at it. For sure. I, I, yeah, and I just, yeah, I remember just shooting pucks, and I'm like, that puck is over the red line. I don't make the team this year. You know, so now I'm <laughs> hustling to try and get, because you can see it just sliding away from you, you yeah. know, uh, and you, that's a little sprint you just put in, you know, but it was a fun, competitive um, thing that I always did. So, um, but throughout, except for that little three-month time period, I, I just, I loved it. So um, it's been so good to me. I've been, I've been very blessed. My dad always says the work that you put into the game, it'll give back to you. So I think that's what you're touching on too, putting in the work and obviously do it if you do love it. And if not, find something that you're worth sacrificing for because you do love it so much. That's exactly, it could be anything in life. That's exactly right. It can, it can be, whether it's coaching, whether it's, you know, whatever your job, you know, whether it's taxes, I don't know what, but if you love it, you know, you're going to, you're going to prosper with it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we can't thank you enough for coming on. It was awesome hearing more about you. Like I said, I've known you for about 18 years now, but every time we do these interviews, it's just you hear so many of the things that don't just come out in regular conversation. Yeah. And I think that those are really fun experiences, and I know that people are going to love listening. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You guys have been great.